When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Corridor Cast. Today's guest is Harley Mornstein, a longtime friend of mine and an old YouTuber like me. We've been on the platform for about eight years and have learned a lot of interesting things while doing so. Harley's got a wealth of stories, and he's an interesting guy. He's not just the founder of Epic Mealtime. You might be excited to learn about what else he has seen, what else he has heard, and what else he has done, and the interesting insights he has in the world around us. For example, what is it like meeting and working with your heroes? And then what is it like to learn that you are somebody else's hero and that you have changed and influenced their life? Or for example, what's the difference between fame and celebrity? And what do you do if one of your friends on Facebook starts saying racist things? How do you deal with it? All that and more with Harley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Corridor Cast. This is the third episode with our guest, Harley Morenstein. Now, Harley and us, we go pretty far back. In fact, I met Harley right when we were starting Corridor, and we've basically journeyed through the wonderlands of YouTube together over the past eight years, sometimes holding hands, sometimes just looking each other in the eyes, but generally sharing the adventure. <laughs> uh, Harley, for those, of, for those of the people here who are not familiar with you, how would you introduce yourself? Um, hi, my name's Harley. I'm the... Uh the sauce boss from Epic Meal Time, a cooking show on Epic on YouTube that's been around for eight years. Uh, and I, I met Nico and Sam like like so long. I remember the day very clearly. I came, I, I went to go work with Freddie. I met you guys, and uh, you guys were like, "Oh yeah, we do YouTube also." And we're like, "Oh yeah, what do you guys? What kind of shows do you make?" You're like, "Oh, we only have one video. We only have <laughs> one video. That's so. What's your one video?" And then I was like, "You know that Call of Duty video? We're like, you guys made that Call of Duty. <laughs> it was like the first time in my life. We're like, you're just two guys. You're just two guys. Like, and and it was a whole. It was like a whole crazy production. This was like an extreme. If you guys aren't deep in corridor." Like the deepest, this is a deep corridor cut here. It's so deep, right? it's frozen not even cro- on our channel. It's not there anymore? It's on Freddy's channel. Oh, that Frozen Crossing was on his channel? Yeah. We put that on his channel when he had like 20,000 subs because he had just gotten partnership. And we had spent like, we spent like 200 bucks in the video. And we're like, boy, it should be nice to have those 200 bucks back. And so <laughs> we just got partnership. And so we're like, hey, we can upload on your channel and get the ad revenue back. Yeah. Yeah, and here we are, eight years later, running a business on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, how crazy is that, right? Like, yeah. It's so yeah, it's it's insane. I, I, it's been fun being there, like knowing Nico and Sam since the very beginning. Because in this industry, YouTube, Hollywood, any industry, I guess, it's hard to find like real people. Mm-hmm. And we've been like connected for eight years now. So for eight years, I've watched, and you've watched, and like it's it's always good to like, you know 
because I've been in Canada, they've been here, and like to come and touch base like every year and a half or so, or sometimes more frequently, mm-hmm. and be like, "Yo, what's the space like now for you? <laughs> yeah. What's the plan now? What what's different? What's changed? What about these guys or those guys or that channel or or, or this company or that company?" And it's just. Yeah, we've been through lots of ups and downs, man. Woo! Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's been so long. It's almost 10 years. Yeah, it is really crazy. Like, I always thought college was going to be a long time. It's like, man, four years at school, that's a long time. And now, like, here I am 10 years out of college, and it's like, oh, man, <laughs> it's yeah. been a decade. Old. Yeah. We're old guys. <laughs> yeah, most people don't even realize that, like, I'm older than 30. How 30 old for or 30 are you? What? I... Yeah, well, most people think I'm in my 20s, like, when they see us on the channel and stuff. Yeah. Probably because yeah. they're just running around like a bunch of kids still doing fun things. But, yeah, I turned 33 in a week. Okay, yeah. So I'm 33 also. And, like, the hardest thing is when, like, I'm streaming video games. Because mm-hmm. then I'm, like, streaming video games. And they're like, wow, bro, get a real job. Because, like, it'll be someone maybe that don't know that I have a real job. And this <laughs> this this runs, like, it tangent with my real job. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I just look like some, like, I look like this. And I'm like playing Red Dead and I'm like really enjoying myself. And like people will come and be like, this is just sickening, bro. <laughs> like, don't you have kids to take care of? I'm like, no, <clears throat> no. <laughs> and like all this comes down to the fact that I'm just like, you know, I look like this. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, uh, you know, I think it's one thing that we got to appreciate. At least we don't like, well, you and I is different page. At least I don't look like this and I'm trying to get something off the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I, I feel bad for maybe the mutant people out there or even, and I don't want to go and say like, oh man, you're 33 years old and you're still trying to be a rapper. Maybe mm-hmm. consider a new avenue of, of whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to be like that, but I do know that it's an uphill battle for those people. Cause like, you know, girls in clubs or like uh radio DJs or whatever, they're, they're playing like music for people that are like almost maybe half our age now, you know? Yeah. I was listening to some girl and I'm like, oh, this is a great song. Cool music video. She's 17. <laughs> I'm two times that. Yeah. <laughs> I did 17 twice already. Almost. Yeah. I will say in the film industry, it feels like at least being in your thirties is the right age. Cause like trying to get a, a show off the ground. I mean, I realize that when you're pitching a, a, a TV show, it's no different than going to the bank and like trying to tell them that your grocery store that you need to get a loan for is going to be a great success. Like it's the exact same thing when you're pitching a TV show. And so if you're like 25 years old and you're trying to go to a studio and get them to make your show, like they're not going to take you seriously, mm-hmm. even no matter how good your work is. No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. That's why like uh, unless you're uh, unless you're team 10. Team 10. Yeah, then Team 10, you could do it. You know, if you're Jake Paul, they're like, hey, man, that sounds like a great idea. Let's get it. And what's what? It's just you in the corner and you just shit on the floor. Yeah, that'll get like millions of dollars. I did hear a rumor that um, Maverick merchandise, the numbers are so different now from when we, we started this, but Maverick merchandise, I heard made $40 million in one month. That's crazy. Last year. That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, imagine the pressure of being surrounded by so many people just like, eager to make millions of dollars off of you. Yeah. It's got to be a little insanity inducing. Yeah. Whereas, and, and you know what, like in, in, in our case, to an extent, it's a bit different. There's never been like, just uh, like, uh, wow, Harley's so cool or Nico's so cool. Let's just like milk money out of them. <laughs> it's just like, we provided something. I provide a brand, you provide an art, whatever it is that people want to buy into. So it is different. Yeah. Although the $40 million deals never really came through. <laughs> never really panned out. <laughs> what do you think it is that made like 
Logan Paul and Jake Paul so much more popular than the most popular YouTubers when we started? I think it's uh, um, there's a, a whole new element of gaming the system that goes on. Mm-hmm. So like back in the day, you know, like before this podcast <clears throat> even started, like Nico had said to me, he said, uh, if you if there's anything weird, if you say anything weird that you change your mind later, you know, let me know and we could pull it out. And I did want a podcast with Tays on Day and he said the same thing to me. And whenever I did Epic Mealtime videos, I would say like to people like, you know, like I remember filming with, you know, other creators, you, yourself, whoever, Jenna Marbles. I'd be like, if I if we say something or do something that you don't like, let me know and I'll pull it out later. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this day and age, people are so keen and so quick to expose one another in exchange for viewership, we don't have that. We didn't have that. And I think like, it's like, you know, uh, it's, I don't want to say it's our, uh, it's a disadvantage, Mm -hmm. but it's something that is different today. Like we, there's, I I don't want to say that like we're better or our generation of YouTube was better. It's just different. And in this one, there's like no shame in some of the content that you'd put out there. Yeah. Like, Like, I would never put out a video, you know, uh, like exposing or or even like, I would never put out a video of me holding the camera and like looking into the camera and crying (laughs) and admitting something just because I know that crying on camera gets you more views these days. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I would never use like my audience as a means of therapy for myself to try and like reach a new audience of people that you know you know what i'm saying there's like a whole gaming there and i understand what it is but i feel our you and i at least our channels never really went down that path Mm -hmm. and in this day and age like you know like you know logan paul he put on when he put on glasses and he was able to see color and he cried for the first time i mean he saw color for the first time and he started crying (laughs) i was like it's an awesome thing if that's you know that's how it plays out but you know even then like maybe that's a private thing you know, yeah, your first time doing that. What's what's private? What what is, you know? Yeah, maybe it's just because we do this for a living, so we understand the process a little bit more. Or maybe people have changed, and like the ubiquity of phone, you know cameras in your pocket has changed this, and I just haven't realized it. But it feels disingenuous to be capturing those emotions because you had to consciously take out your camera. And cameras aren't a take it out, hit the button. It's take it out, turn it on, make sure the battery's charged, make sure you got space in the card. Oh, I have other footage on the card. Maybe I need to dump it. Okay, is it in focus? Now it's in focus. Am I in the right frame rate? I'm in the right frame rate. Hit record. How's the lighting? Lighting's good. Is it quiet? It's quiet. Okay, start the tears. And then being like, guys, I don't know how I'm going to start this video. It's <laughs> like, well, it's already, we're on step 15 now of starting the video, so let's just keep going. <laughs> you know, you keep in those extra bits where it's like, <sighs> I don't know how I'm going to tell you guys this. And it's like, you know how to edit. You know that you would normally edit all that part out, but that's part of the game, like the manipulation aspect. And, you know, I always thought that, you know, videos were were to be fun, fun Mm -hmm. things. And I definitely think that it's cool that there's some videos out there that some people can relate to, but I always get like weird when I see like a video and it's giving people like, like I even feel weird just saying right now. I wouldn't give, don't give, don't give people like mental health advice. I feel weird even saying because I know mm-hmm. so little on the subject. How can I say to say it or don't say it? I don't know what's best or what's not best. But I always feel weird when I see like you know a, some like crazy ass YouTuber like preaching to the audience about like mental health and how it is and how it should be and how it should. And I'm like, I know this is gonna get a ton of views because mm-hmm. this is like a sweet spot. But at the same time, like you're. 
you're like, you know, you're, are you the guy right now to be saying, are you the girl right now to be saying that to the audience? And I, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, are they playing the game right now? Am I getting too caught up in being like, don't do that? Or should I just be like, oh, respect their grind. They're doing the grind. They're milking the system, you know, like, yeah. who, who am I? Like, I, you know, there's, there's hungry people out there and we'll have like 5,000 bacon strips and be like, oh, oh. so it's not like I have like a moral high ground, but at the same time, like, I know there's this, <laughs> I don't know why I said, I'm, oh, that's me hosting. That's me hosting. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe there's this like, uh. It's just it's it's more of a game now, I feel, and people play mm-hmm. the game more. And I or you even, we make we made videos, we made content. Now there's a lot of the game involved. And sometimes I click things, it's like my guilty pleasure. I'll watch Keemstar videos, I'll watch Trommeler, I watch all that. You're probably smarter than me. I feel like you don't you don't watch that shit. I don't watch that stuff. Man, you stupid, bro. You're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but yeah, I go down those holes. I grew up like they have to get this weird mentality about art and music where it's like, if I didn't like the person creating the art of the music, I would just give up on the, the product they made. Like I was able to, I was able to, I guess, make that sacrifice sometimes. I have my little bits of hypocriticism here and there, but. Other yeah. Than that, I, I feel you on that. I have bits of hypocrite, bits of hypocriticism with that. Like you won't catch me dancing to Chris Brown, mm-hmm. even if he makes like a really cool track. Cause I'll always remember the crazy pictures of Rihanna. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge little Dicky fan. And I remember little Dicky made the song Chris Brown. It was like so funny and so good and so excellent. But at the same time, I was kind of like, you could have made that song with anyone, you know, yeah. but like, it's so weird to do it there. But then, you know, I always feel weird when I'm going to go and like take some sort of moral high ground. Cause it's like, who are you? You know, you're like bacon guy on the internet. Shut up, man. Just watch the video. <laughs> you know, like, and now like, uh, what's another one uh, that I saw recently? Harry Potter, um, fantastic beasts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this whole, like, alleged uh, stuff with Johnny Depp. I don't know much about it, but, like, all these people mm-hmm. have been like, don't go see the movie because, you know, he's not a good person. You know, and I'm like, yeah, don't. He's not a good person. But I know I'll I'll watch the movie. I will end up watching the movie. But I, I never want to make, like, I never want, like, me to be consuming content to be some sort of political stance on something or mm-hmm. whatever. And it ends up being even everything I'm saying right now is mm-hmm. a stance in itself. And I don't <laughs> want it to be, you know, sometimes they just like, it's so ignorant, but I'm just like, why can't everyone be happy? Why can't we be chill? Why can't we make v- videos based on video games back in the day and not be like, yo, my brother had sex with my girlfriend and now my family's torn apart. And I'm telling all the 10 year old kids watching my vlog about it buy my merchandise, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's why I never sold 40 mil. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I never gamed the system that hard. You yeah, know? like it, you know, I'm, you're much, you know, much merchandise you would sell if like Team Nico and you just punch Sam in the face one time. Think about it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I have the, I have this theory that you know, film media in general, it's always been about trying to make something feel real. So back in the day before cameras existed, and it's just theater plays, right? You have to be a good thespian. You have to go on the stage and you have to feel the emotion. You're giving a performance, but you're also trying to make authentic emotions happen. And the more authentic the emotion, the better of an actor you are. And then the camera comes along. It's like, oh, we can make these scenes feel real. We can capture real images. Now these pretend make-believe plays feel even more real. Oh, we can get real props. We can get real sets. We can get lighting. We can put, you know, get our actors, put them in costumes. You know, we have costumes. We're going to try to make them feel like we're doing a scene for real. And that's evolved and that's evolved and that's evolved 
to where we are now to where the closest we have to making something real is literally capturing it in the moment as if it's real. Now, most of the stuff is still fake. Like a lot of stuff is still staged. Even like the voice I'm putting on with you, like our conversations are not this tight when we're just <laughs> hanging out. Uh, they are not this cohesive and I'm not this articulate, but we, we still elevate slightly when the camera's on, but like the, the art style of the vlog and of YouTube these days is like the closest thing you have to seeing something real. And I find myself sitting through like two minutes or three minutes of downtime waiting for something real to happen because somebody puts wait for it in the title. And like, I would walk away from a TV show if it did that, like, because to me it's fake. They could have edited it, edited it, but this video is real. Something real is going to happen. So I'm going to watch. So whenever I, people want to ask about <clears throat> vlogging, I know exactly what you mean. People like be like, Oh, like, you know, people closer to us. Cause I feel like it's one generation or one half generation after us that really embraced the vlogging. Mm-hmm. You know, YouTube was vlogs. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like our era came in and was like, no, we could be better than that. Let's make shows. Yeah. Let's give like food network or action shows a run for their money, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we did that. But then the generation or half generation after us brought vlogs back to an extent and really <clears> started <throat> to do that. And I know other creators like us would, would ask me that because I started vlogging, you know, which I went to Shay Carl, who was before and during us. I was like, oh, what, how do you vlog? Like I mm-hmm. asked about vlogging and stuff. And like to what you just said, I would tell people like take the camera out and it's weird. The camera's out, and you're like, hey, what <laughs> up? Uh, I'm here with Nico. Uh, and it's weird, and it sucks. But once that camera's up for 30 seconds, real things start to happen. Yeah. Now, even though, like, it's an awkward real thing that wouldn't happen with the camera being there, there are real interactions because there's no guidelines, and it's just the camera sitting there. And, like, a lot of my vlogs, like, end up being that, like, you mm-hmm. know? Like I'm gonna leave that whole piece in where you know you were you were you were like we me and Nico were filming like right before and like it was he was like oh do this oh and if the if the podcast is up do that I'm just gonna put the whole chunk up exactly <laughs> as is I like to not edit them like that's it right there that's the real moment that was us like breaking it down how's the best way to go forward with this and I, and I agree it's like there's like TV vlogs they're they're completely different what we would walk away from or not walk away from are so different from the content that gets put up nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like people don't like on TV, wouldn't want to see like a real life, you know, or at least we thought wouldn't when we were growing up, watch like, you know, a brother have sex with his little brother's girlfriend and like <laughs> rap about it. You know, yeah. it's like you back in our day, it's like, that's kind of nauseating and messed up, you know? Yeah. But like in this day and age, and that's why I say it's my guilty pleasure. I'm like on drama alert. I'm like, yo, fuck his girlfriend. That's his little brother. <laughs> What That's if my brother crazy. did that, you know? And then my dad vlogged his vlog being like, well, it's my boy. So always in competition. Careful. Or your big brother's going to fuck your girlfriend. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's, do you think it's putting people more in touch with the human condition and what it means to be human? Or do you think it's just messing everybody up? I, I, I don't want to say like, once again, like I, it's always, I always got to put in perspective, like, who am I? Where do I come from? What is my voice? I can only assume that traditional TV personalities on Food Network would watch my channel of us making a, t- a tater bot, like a six foot robot made of tater tots. And <laughs> like, you know, and they'd probably look at me like, that's just ridiculous. There's no, that's just mass consumption. There's no the complete disregard for the culinary world and this. So I can't ever get on a high horse. 
But at the same time, I could just, you know, if you understand that that's where I'm coming from and I, I get that about me, I could look at it and be like, yeah, I think it messes up some shit. I feel <laughs> like it messes up some shit. Like, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I watched that whole Shane Dawson documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that kills me, because it sounds like a movie script, but like that, like Alyssa said to Logan, she was like, because Logan had, let me catch you up because you don't watch drama. Yeah. But like Logan. Give everybody a little catch up here. Logan had sex with Jake's ex-girlfriend. That's his little brother, so that's like a big deal. Oh, that's that's the little brother you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so it's actually his ex girlfriend, and she felt bad about it, and she said to Logan, she was like, "Can we not like? Can we not? That was a big mistake. We shouldn't have done that. Can we not talk about it?" He was like, "Not talk about it." He's like, "I'm gonna vlog it." Ooh. And she was like, "Oh, please don't do that." Like, why well, was just He's like, "Cause I'm a fucking maverick." Hmm. And like that sells forty million dollars of merch for me. That's like that's like what wrestling is. That's wrestling. Yeah. But that's like not. It's you know wrestling is a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are like real lives. Like you said, you were said you said it like you know a bit earlier in the podcast that people forget that. Did you say that before the podcast? It's before started? we started recording. Oh, Nico. Yeah, we said, can rec- let's recreate the moment for everybody. Yes. Isn't it crazy how like when you're looking at shots online of people like it don't feel like people anymore. Like when you see somebody in a GIF, it's just. A, a facsimile of a person, a character that just exists for that blip of a moment. But you forget that outside of that gift, they're still a real person. It's true. It's totally true, which is yeah. why sometimes people come up to me and they touch me on the street, a stranger. Hmm. Someone will come to me and grab my arm and shake me and go, South Spouse. And I turn around, and I'm like, Hey, how are you? <laughs> and then they walk away and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll like look at people I'm with. I'm like, Yeah, that guy just touched me. I don't know him. But like, that's people they don't realize because every Tuesday for the last eight years, I've been like, we're friends drinking and eating together. Yeah. So I know I, I agree with that. People forget that they're people and that's truly what it is. And like in this particular scenario, we're just like, Oh man, Jake, Paul, ha, huh? He's so what an asshole. He's not, he, he's being an idiot on the news channel mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's like, man, when I was 20 years old or a lot of people I know when they were 20 years old, like weren't, the coolest guys or nicest people yeah. growing up. And imagine if like my older brother was like fucking my girlfriend and my dad was like, straighten up, <laughs> put on your game face. This Ugh. is a vlog. Like, and cause his dad's like, a, a, does a vlogs too. Like you mess up the whole family like that. And like the mom makes video. And they're like, she's like, be sexier. And like mm. all these things. It's just like, I could just imagine. I like, thank God. An epic mealtime happened when I was 25. I thank God all the time that like it, I was a full-time teacher for years before Epic Mealtime. That Epic Mealtime didn't happen when I was 21. Mm-hmm. I would have killed it instantly. I would have ruined everything so fast, you know? Yeah. I was. I just get the vibe that you're probably a bit more of a responsible person I could be. You might be a little bit more reserved with your actions. Whereas I'm like, yo, let's fucking do it right now, man. Roll the camera, baby. I, no, if I was 20 years old and the same thing happened, yeah, I'd probably just be... Well, it's a little bit different because I was like a big action movie kid i mean i still am an action movie guy but like if i was 20 years old and somebody came to me and was like here's a million dollars make this crazy gunfight movie like i would just get taken advantage of so hard in the hollywood system i'd be like burnt out and broke by the time i'm 22 you know 100 percent, exactly there's so many things that like i i i'm happy with my timing and you know you being the same age similar to your timing mm-hmm. is a big deal because like yeah timing's when, a huge deal you know you know like bad baby bad baby Bad baby, cash me outside. That girl, cash me outside. How about that? She mm-hmm. went on Dr. Phil. 
We have a lot. We we talk about so much, you and I. But we got it. We always got to cover <laughs> video games and sci-fi and movies that we never. I, I never share with you all the stupid things I watch on the internet. But it was that girl that went on Doctor Phil. Okay. And she was like, "Cash me outside. How about that?" And then she, it ended up being this huge thing. And like she's like, that her tagline? That was her tagline. And then she like made rap videos and stuff. And mm. she was fourteen. Uh, and I would see people on my Facebook list, writers and stuff in in Hollywood, and they'd be like, "Oh, I can't believe this stupid little." Bitch is like so famous. We, why are we making this trash famous? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I always had to jump in and be like, that's a 14 year old girl. If you don't like that, she is like, this is our world. It's yeah. not like you can't get mad that it's her. Like it's us. Like this is like, it's, it's even like the box that she is growing up in is the box that we created. We made this box of YouTube and viral videos. And it was funny to like, be like, oh, Chalk Lorraine, haha, let's share it a million times. Or like, oh, uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. Let's share it. Like over the decade, yeah. we made this box and this box can make a girl like her thrive in mm-hmm. where she tells Dr. Phil's guest, <laughs> cash me outside. How about that? And she ends up being like a big deal and she can make rap videos and all that. And everyone gets so mad like, and, and calls her trash. And maybe it's because I used to be a teacher. I'm like, that's like a young girl. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, she was in a bad place before this. And we just made this world. She did one thing. She got a, a, a TMZ came up to her outside once and they were like, oh, Kim Kardashian wants to work with you. The Kardashians. And she was like, I don't want to work with the Kardashians. They just have sex on tape. Like no one cares about them, whatever. Wow. And walked away. And I was like, that. Like, only a 14-year-old could be so bold. Anyone, no matter what, even if you bash it, you'd be like, Kardashian, work with me? Oh, my gosh. Like, like what are we going to cook on Epic Mealtime? Like, you know? Like, you, you know, I'm sure maybe under some circumstance, it'd be a dope-ass vid, Kardashians in a quarter digital video. You guys are showing her how to, like, hold a, a Chris Vector or something, you know, and how to reload it for the video. I don't know, man. I don't know what would happen. I, I like to feel like, be like, yeah, screw that, it, you know? Fuck the Kardashians, but then in like the content would be too fire on your channel. No man, yeah, <laughs> it'd be too good. The problem is like I'll get these like ideas like, oh, it'd be cool if we had this personality, mainly so I could like parody them or make fun of them. Yeah, and you know, like put them in a space or a position that like you would never expect to see them in because it's so hilarious to imagine them as that. You know, I treat them like actors. I put yeah. them in their ca- role, the character, and have the character do something funny and it gets a reaction. But like, yeah, that stuff would never pan out in real life. But like for her, they're like it was just like. It's like makeup or who knows what. She didn't even ask what it was. She was just like, no. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's commendable. Ballsy. That's commendable. Um, you know, she does like outlandish stuff, but she went on Dr. Phil for a second appearance. And uh, she walked out and it was Dr. Phil got rid of the whole audience. And she came out and she was like, where's the audience? And Dr. Phil was like, I thought that you would respond better if we didn't have the audience. And she says, you ain't got no show if you ain't got no hoes. Oh. And I thought that was like so. That's like <laughs> like that's funny. It is funny, even though she's a caricature and like you know it's a little irresponsible that a fourteen year old girl is doing. It. That is, there's a timing and a brain pattern there, and it's funny. And I actually think that 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 could be like she could be like like cultivated better, and she could you know go down a path. And I was just like, oh, she needs help. But then she goes on to say how a lot of the bad things that happen were her mom's doing. Mm-hmm. And that she wanted to use her power to stop people from being bullied because she gets bullied a lot now and she used to be bullied. And it was like no one's coaching her on that. And she is a good person. She wants mm-hmm. to people not be bullied. And so she so what she's funny and she's crazy and she's like, you know, like she says stuff and like, you know, we could even go down the route that she like, you know, 
appropriates a, a different culture or whatever. But like the truth is like, you know, there's something good here. It's a 14 year old girl. She's still growing up. How can we just be so quick to bash? Mm-hmm. And even though Jake Paul is like seven years older, I was always like, well, I'm like the guy's 20 years old and he's got like tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know why it's called team 10? Can't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> there's 10 digits in a billion. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that's actually like, it's not like that's true. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's like the funniest thing. That's no different. You ever watch Silicon Valley? Yeah, it's a Trace Commas club. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's the same thing, but it's real. Yeah. Silicon Valley is like, YouTube is not Silicon Valley, but it's close. So close. So close. So very close. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to make that show both scary and funny when I yeah, watch it. Yeah, that show is, oh my God, I love that show. It's, <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. And it's so on the nose. And like, yeah, that's literally, that's Team 10, like the Three Comma Club, like, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was funny. And I always like, you know, like for me, it's like, well, what do we expect? We're mad. Mm-hmm. We live in a world where we put him there. And now we're mad that he's acting like a 20-year-old about it. What do you want him to be like? How should he be like? And then no one's ever going to sympathize with him. But I can't help it. Maybe it's because I make YouTube videos too. Maybe because I've been on the receiving end of like crazy drama or people being like, you're a, you're a bad person, Harley, because you mm-hmm. did this or that, not knowing how everything else is. But in this particular scenario, it's like, man, his, like, you know, his, the relationship with his brother and his dad, everything is on camera. Everything is there. You know, it's like... I don't know. I feel like it's uh, it's not as simple as just like, oh, he's a douchebag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I wonder if there's like, there's probably not any balance there. Like other people have that balance where they go on camera and like they have these extreme moments, but who they are on camera is different than who they are in, the, in real life. And there's a balance in real life that they obviously hide for the camera. And there's people who are just, they've become so like they live in it so much that when the camera's on, that's just who they are. Like that's the person that they've become. Um, and you can't always tell the difference you know, and watching the videos on YouTube, if somebody has embraced that role so much that they are now method acting for all of their life versus just turning that character on and playing a character just for that video. And it's scary when people don't realize that you should just, you don't have to act. You don't have to be a method actor for your entire life to just be able to make it work on camera. Mm-hmm. Just practice being the character you want to be on camera. Do some writing. Like it's okay to be fake. It's yeah. okay to fake it because at the it's end of the acting. day, it's all fake. It's all acting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing. I, I actually I, see. I don't know them well enough to know like when it stops or if it stops or how it is. I have a feeling whatever. it doesn't stop anymore. Yeah. yeah, but the cameras are always on there. That's the thing. Is like there is no. <clears throat> you have so much off camera time in your life, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was something I had to learn as well. Like when the camera is off, when it's not a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I used to go and hang out with their YouTubers and be like, "Shit, I have to act like the sauce boss," or they'll tell people that like you know. I'm a fucking nerd in real life. <laughs> so I'd go and I'd be like, yo, where the bitches at? Let's get drunk. And in my head, I'm like, I got drunk last night. I really don't want to get drunk. Again. I'm like, Jack Daniels, give it to me. Oh, I want a hamburger. So I'm like, I just ate lunch. I really should eat this hamburger. <laughs> but like, I was like, God forbid people know that I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. And I had that at like 26, 27, yeah. you know? But I agree. It's like, it was, it was a learned skill. But imagine at like being like 17, 18, 19, 20 and being there and living in a house called the Team 10 house where there's like 40 people that all have cameras. And they're like, we always want the cameras on like you. And it's like I could just imagine like, you know, we're going we're gonna to make some weird mutated people. That's for sure. 
Yeah. That's what's going on now in life. YouTube. This is our fault. <laughs> this is your stupid Call of Duty video that you put up did this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talk about YouTube ruining uh, the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> I read this essay back when I was in school. And it was talking about gatekeepers of media. And before the internet, you had, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS. I can't remember how many more there were. But, like, that was the big three. Um, I guess Fox to a certain extent and WB. But um, there were gatekeepers of media. Though You don't really only get the news from those shows. And so the people in charge of the news would decide what was important and what wasn't. And when was it the right time to put out a story that wasn't as popular or something that people might not like, but everybody needs to hear it. Or it's just... Everybody needs to get cultured a little bit, so we're going to throw something out there that's not super entertaining, but we need to take a moment and teach people this moment. And so you had these gatekeepers that, you know, ideally they were benefactory, you know, ideally they were being helpful or trying to enlighten people, but there's also, you could argue that they could also be biased, they could manipulate the system, they could control the information. And so there's that, you know, freedom side of it, the freedom of information side of it, which kind of rallies against the concept of gatekeepers. And so it it was talking about how the internet doesn't really have that issue. It doesn't really have gatekeepers. It's a free information for all. The flip side of that is that you only seek out the information that you want. And there's also no one stopping you from putting out fake information, false information. Now, back then, and honestly, still a little bit now, I'm all, I was all about, you know, freedom, you know, let people do what they want, let them live their own lives. I got the libertarian streak in me, you know, um, let people disseminate the information they want to disseminate and rely on people to pick up what they want to pick up. Looking at the internet now and seeing how it's evolved over these 10 years of not having gatekeepers, not having any centralized information, so to speak, where, what side do you feel like you would stand on? Do you feel like you'd stand on bringing back some of this curating of media? Or do you think we should keep going down this realm of just letting people find their way in the wild west of online? I think that's such a, Excellent question. <laughs> Cause like, you know what? Like, I feel like we are, I feel like we're in a weird gray area mm-hmm. right now. And the gray area is that things will be different. I think in obviously things will be different in like five, 10 years from now. Yeah. But things are different now in the sense that like Facebook was not a place where people got a lot of their news. Mm-hmm. Facebook was like where you went to go, you know, speak to family members, whatever, whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I have some some rules that I operate on and I can't I can't go left or right on this decision right now. I can't decide. I'm just kinda like, let's see it play out mm-hmm. more before I, I I draw my line in the sand where I am. Let's see where it goes. But I do operate on a couple rules. I go on Facebook sometimes and someone will say something that is like outlandish to me. Like to me is racist. Mm-hmm. I think it's racist. And I understand that they don't think it's racist. And they'll say something racist on Facebook. And I know this person and it'll get a bunch of likes and people will go in their comment section and be like, yeah, finally someone, right? Wow. I can't believe people think this is racist. It's not racist. And in my head, I'm like, it's definitely racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that person is bad or I don't even think that person is racist. But what they're saying is to me a racist thing. For example, I have friends that will remove that person from their friends list. My rule is I would not. I will go on the comment section and I will state how I feel or I would just be like, you know, I don't think you're racist or whatever. And I don't 
want to offend you if I think that the statement is ignorant, but it is a racist thing. Mm-hmm. And I just want to let you know that that's how I feel because we are friends. You respect me. And I think it's important to know that in the echo chamber of Facebook and how you could so quickly create your own echo chamber when people remove others from their friends list because they don't like what they say. Mm-hmm. I always think it's important to know that, you know, for that person, I'm like, the way I see it, I'm like, that guy, he needs me. He doesn't know he needs me. He needs me to say there are people that you respect out there that disagree with you and think this is racist. Even though you have all these thumbs up and all these comments, I'm the type of person that will put my name there and say, I disagree with you on that. And that's important. And then this guy is important to me because I can't just be like, oh, man, what? There's a black president. Racism's dead. No. Look at what people say on Facebook all the time. Yeah. So Facebook is a messed up site. I go there a lot. People like to just think that they know everything or that they are like, you know, they they really see how it is or whatever. The amount of times, you know, uh, you know, here here's a touchy one. People will go out and be like, there are two genders. Shut up. That's mm-hmm. it. People are like, yeah, finally, man, tell them, tell them. And I'm just always wanting to go in there and be like, wait, hold on. I know from what I learned in kindergarten, boys have penis, girls have vagina. But isn't there something more at work here, something more at play? You know, like psychiatrists, psychologists, they change like, you know, the DSM every year, half year. There's always like new diagnosis. Is that a disease? Is that is that something wrong? We don't understand our brain. We don't understand even why some foods work for some people's bodies and other people's foods. Other foods don't work for other people's or why some diets work or other diet. We're learning about our bodies. We're learning about our brain. And when you get to like, you know, sex and gender and like the the implications of our brain and our bodies and the mix between the two, all I'm saying is let's just keep learning. Let's not shut the conversation off right away. Yeah. But people want to close that conversation down immediately. You know, people want to shut that conversation off. And I'm just one to say as a voice, let's just keep approaching it. Let's keep learning it. But when that guy is there and he says that and then there's like 100 people on his friends like, yeah, yeah. He's like emboldened to be like, yeah, that's how it is. Case, That's how it is. Case closed. I just want to be like, there's other people out here with other opinions. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I think we have a lot more learning about ourselves to do as humans. You know, there's so much more growing that can be done. And I think with all the fake news and all the all the like conspiracy theories and the crazy stuff going on, I feel like we're in this place where I can't say if we're responsible enough. I want us to be responsible enough to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also don't want to say, oh, let's go back to curating it because curating it is we're just putting other people in charge. And are they responsible enough? Mm-hmm. You know, I always I always think about this subreddit that I always go to. It's called uh, Boring Dystopia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's a good subreddit. It, it's really, this is it. Like, we're really fully in that. You know, it's like 1984. We always thought it'd be like, oh, man, they're going to have cameras in our homes and we're, they're going to know when we're doing bad stuff or whatever. And it's like, no, let's, you know, we do all have cameras in our phone, <laughs> in our homes. You know, my TV yeah. has a microphone and a camera. It's a Samsung TV. So I could say volume up. I'll never do that. Don't lie. You just want to listen. You're trying to listen, you know? And now they have that, like, uh, Alexa. That follows you That follows you around. (laughs) Like, it is so crazy. Yeah. Speaking of subreddits, what are your favorite subreddits? What are some good subreddits that people should subscribe to if they're not subscribed? Uh, Funny enough, I don't subscribe to subreddits. I just go to them. Okay. But I never hit subscribe. You're like an old man on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. I've never subscribed to a YouTube channel. Hmm. Never. 
So you just keep like a mental list that you go to. Every yeah, time. I go there. That's it. If you if you go to it enough, YouTube will just be like recommended. You'll be like, oh yeah, thanks, bro. Hmm. But the subscriber notifications, like, I always felt like it was a wonky system from the beginning. Hmm. But I like to go to r slash action figures. Okay. You know, that young toy sense, boy. Yeah. That's right, guys. Y U N G T O Y B O Y on Instagram. I take <laughs> pictures of my toys. <laughs> They're good pictures, actually. I'll vouch for them. I actually really enjoy that Instagram. Yeah, go there, guys. Uh, but I go to action figures, and you'll see picture who, people who take far better pictures than me. Mm. Um, that I like to go to. I do like to go to Cringe. Okay. I always thought Cringe was one I, I used to go to for, for years for cringy content. And it's so funny because. Like, I would go there. It's really funny when you're on cringe. You're like, oh, that's embarrassing. Haha, <laughs> we're all making fun of that person. And I click the next link and it's happened twice. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like washed up food guy, like hitting on Hannah Hart. And it's like me and Hannah Hart have this like a relationship. Like we're friends, you know? And it's like this one piece. Uh, if you take it out of context from our entire video where I'm like making this joke and she's like playing it up and I'm playing it up. It just looks so cringy and awkward, but you're missing the whole five minutes before and after that's set up to that. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm watching, I'm like, Oh no, it's me, you know? <laughs> or it's like, uh, like douchey food guy and Jenna marbles hosting this terrible show in Toronto. And like, I click it and it was like this hosting thing we did. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I could totally see how this would be cringy, you know, especially if you come in with like the mentality that this sucks. But like, then I also go on that side. I like to like, you know, watch those videos. It's interesting about subreddit of cringe is that like, like H three H three and like PewDiePie like have made such views off of that subreddit. Just going like you know the top the top rated videos, looking at the top rated comments, and you know vocalizing it and visualizing it into video content, which is what Epic Mealtime did with food content on the internet. Mm -hmm. Just vocalizing it and visualizing it for uh, everyone else, you know. So like, I like those subreddits. They're interesting. I like uh, I always go to gaming. Yeah. I like prequel memes and sequel memes. Oh, those are great. Yeah. I like, uh, I like, uh, um, what's another good one? Uh, you ever go to mealtime videos? No. It has nothing to do with Epic Mealtime. <laughs> but they're just like mealtime videos that are like eight minutes long, hmm. 12 minutes long, like the perfect length, like with by time. Oh, mealtime isn't like videos to watch while you're eating. Exactly. Oh, cool. So you go to mealtime videos, you put it up. You oh, sounds like, like a great subreddit. It's so perfect. It's like. I'm writing that down. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> nine minute documentary on, you know, this YouTube channel or something. Or sometimes, you know, that guy, that Captain Disillusion. Oh, I love Captain Sometimes he makes great mealtime videos and they'll just have his time. And like, you'll sit there, you'll be like, ah, I got a grilled cheese sandwich. I need like six minutes. You know, have, have you watched his uh, presentations he does? Like. Because he gets called to like do various like presentations like at a, no, at a I have conference. Not. He is by far the best presenter I have ever seen. Like he has coordinated, like he stays in character for his presentations. And the problem is Captain Disillusion has makeup all over his face. Yes. I mean, I don't know if you know the, the backstory to Captain Disillusion, but he's a robot who cut off somebody's skin and is wearing the skin over the top half of his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he has that makeup, <laughs> which makes it seem cooler in a way. But so a conference he can't just show up and just do it as himself he needs to he needs to show up and if captain disillusion is going to give the conference he needs to come up with a way to make like so for example the most recent one he's going to take a wormhole to the conference and he has his intern alan at the conference and then the wormhole messes up and it just swaps their minds so alan goes into the mind or goes into the body of captain disillusion and captain disillusion's mind goes into the body of alan 
So the intern, who's just him without makeup on yeah. stage, gives the presentation as Captain Disillusion. But doesn't do the makeup thing? Yeah, well, without the makeup. But in the on the video he cuts to once in a while is Captain Disillusion in makeup as Alan, like trying to fix stuff on the ship <laughs> to come back to the stage and continue the conference. It's just like that level of Does he, Has he done a TED Talk before or something like that? Uh, yeah, just... he's done a TED Talk too, I think. But I'm he, a, I'm yeah. a, or no, a skeptics talk. He did a talk on a okay. skeptics conference. Because, you know, obviously his whole channel is kind of based around skepticism. Yeah. Um, of videos. You know, kind of what we were talking about. Everything's fake. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's one guy that I've been watching for like every like, I guess like six years ago or so, like every like year. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy. And I'd watch like five videos in a row. And then mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy. But he never got the love that I feel like he's really fully deserved. Yeah. Like even just putting on that makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's commitment. Yeah. yeah. He likes it. He loves it. He loves it. He loves what he's doing. That's good. I feel like he's finally getting the recognition. You know, he's not going to be huge. He's never going to be a team tenor, <laughs> but I feel like he's achieved at least the dream that he's never going to get big enough where like his big brother will fuck his girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's for the better, <laughs> but he is, uh, he is big enough now where he can be making a living doing what he's doing full time. And good. I feel like at the end of the day, that's the dream. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is when people are always like, oh, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I kind of want to just continue going where I'm going because I know what I do right now is a pipe dream for many people. Yeah. Even though I have ambitions and I want to continue doing it, like, that's that's how it is. Like, even for yourself, like, as much ambition as you might have where you want to go from here or how much it can grow or what quarter digital could be even more is it's already reached that point where it's pipe dream status for people. Yes, very much and so. And so I want to continue surfing that that wave. I want to continue doing that. And yeah, I do have aspirations. I do have things that I want to keep doing, but I still want to maintain what this is, you know? Like, I want to keep doing it. Like, I love I love doing what I do. I love that it still exists. You know, I love that it's still a thing. I've never been one to chase views. I've never been one to chase money. Mm-hmm. I've always lacked uh, like strong business ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've Wait, always, you say that, but you've ran a successful YouTube business for eight years. That's this world that we live in. I I would be terrible. Like I watch movies, I watch TV shows, I read books, and I'm just like I would suck there. Like oh. I would suck. Like if you got me like, like, like in real life. Yeah. Like if it was like, you know, you had me like in ancient Greece or like, Oh, big man, let's show him how to fight. Like I'm dead so fast, <laughs> you know, like I'm dead so fast. Or like, you know, like if, if it was like, you know, like the depression, like I'm not, I'm not there on time. You know, I'm not a punctual guy and mm-hmm. punctuality is like a very important business aspect. And, uh, you know, being a teacher, have you ever had a high school teacher like show up ten minutes late to class or fifteen minutes late to class? You're you're legally allowed to leave if they do show that's, up. That's yeah, that's that is the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it said outside my door, you're not legally allowed to leave. It always said that. Um but like yeah, like I I I can thrive and I'm always so happy that I live in this time, in this world. I've I, I it's not like I am fortunate internally myself. It's like I'm fortunate externally with the world. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm 33 and like you're telling me that like there's Marvel movies, uh, Marvel comics, anime is popular. 
video games are popular. The internet is monstrous. Like everything I learned growing up in high school that like being in the quote unquote, like friends with cool kids, you know, like I played on football and stuff like that. And like, I had lots of cool friends, all the things that like I would have to hide from them or that were uncool to them are like the cool things now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, much. like I'm lucky for that. I'm lucky that like, you know, I could play video games and make that a job. I'm lucky that I could, I, a Marvel movie can come out and I could be like, well, you know what? In the nineties and I could talk, you know, about the nineties Marvel world for an hour and put it up as a video. And people want to watch that. Like I'm lucky for that stuff. The world that we are in, is one that I was able to thrive in, not because of me, but because the things I loved by chance ended up being the most popular things in the world, mm-hmm. you know, or in culture that that we are in right now. So do you think there's a bit of a dark side to that, though, in the sense that, you know, they say <clears throat> if you do what you love for work, you'll never work a day in your life. But the risk is that you take what you love and you make it work. Interesting. Like I've talked to a couple of different Video game streamers. I'm like, do you guys play video games for fun when you're not streaming? And most of them are like, no. Or at least very different types. I do. You do. I play video games. I'll be like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, cool. And I get off and then I'm like, then I do things in video games that I don't do on the stream. But then again, I only stream, like, you know, I'll stream like two hours in a day. I don't do the six hour streams. Mm -hmm. So that's a big difference. Um, But I agree with that. Like, you know what? It was when I first (laughs) read about achievements, achievements in video games. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you play Xbox, you unlock an achievement. I had read a comparison that, like, uh, like if you do something that you love to obtain something, no matter what it is, you will end up resenting the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. So if you love eating pizza and you love playing video games and you have to play video games to get pizza, mm-hmm. you will eventually be mad at video games. Because sometimes you just want pizza. Yeah. And you'll get mad at video games for being in between you and your pizza. Hmm. And I like I like filming and laughing and, and, and producing and being with my friends and eating. And there was a point where I got there on Epic Mealtime. And it's funny because it's like documented, unfortunately, because <laughs> we never miss a week. So there's like a, a couple months period where I just fully, full on hate the show. I hate the show. I hate that it exists. I'm so tired of the character. I'm tired of everything. And I didn't want it to exist anymore. And then I I was just fortunate enough to snap out of it quickly Mm -hmm. where I was like, wait, like, this is awesome. This is a good thing. You know, I forgot, like, what are the options? What are my other lives? This is why it's so important that I did something before I had a real job, quote unquote, before. Mm -hmm. Because even though it's hard work, it's not the same as, you know, being somewhere at 8 a.m. on someone's dime to do like a tedious task, you know, and I I did that full time. Mm-hmm. And so luckily I snapped out of it. But those months I, I experienced it. And those months like that experience is why I understand why guys who had awesome, awesome jobs working with Epic Mealtime left Epic Mealtime. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I'm like, I've been there. And I'm also also keen on people chasing something new or doing something or, you know, blossoming or spreading their wings and doing something else. I'm keen on that also. So I respect that. But at the same time, like I always thought that the job offered at Epic Meal Time for myself or for whoever worked there 
is like it's just the best job. Like you might find something better for sure, or you might find something more lucrative. But ultimately, like that's a very rare chance because what we do is, like I said, we operate on something that is most people's pipe dreams. Yeah, it's hard like, to find two pipe dreams in one lifetime. Of course, it really is. And that's why, like, you know, I've had other YouTubers come to me, like, you know, like years ago, and they're like, epic meal time. Like, you know, you should really separate and go and do something else. Because, you know, we used to get 2 million views in a week. Now it'll get like sometimes 300,000 views. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes maybe a million. And if it gets a million, I'm like, oh my God, wow, big deal again, you know? But like, it'll get like 300,000. I'm like, yeah, you got to move on. But the way I see it is like 300,000 people give a shit. Like, you know what That's the visualization of, of 300,000 people <laughs> is in a room? Yeah. Well, Picture I, it. I Wrong. Just, they I don't just, fit in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sign a thousand cards. Like 50 was way more than I thought 50 would be. A thousand took me hours. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just a thousand. Like, a thousand views on a video doesn't seem like a lot of views. Yeah. But if you have to sign each card for each person, it's like, whoa. See, and you know what? What's funny is like when you when you have a bar mitzvah, you Nico, when you have a bar mitzvah, when I, when I finally have my bar mitzvah, <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, you you have to write a thank you card. It's a tradition to everyone that went there, and like I had a big bar mitzvah with like three hundred people. So it took like mm. a month of like an hour after school every day, like sitting down and maybe subconsciously that resonated with me, the value of one view, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I sat there and I went and I like, was like, thank you for coming. It means so much to me. Harley Morenstein 300 times. Like, Oh my God, like that's <laughs> insane. It is. It really is. So when you see 300,000 views, you know, like I, I, I feel bad for some YouTubers that were like, uh, top like you know number one channel on youtube and there was a time when epic meal time was the most watched channel on youtube and it's like some channels they're just like they're younger and they're like oh the views the views the views and they get obsessed with the views and they want the views and that's so important and then their views drop and they're like only getting eight hundred thousand views hmm. and i know that they're panicking i know that they're freaking out like i know some youtubers have looked at epic meal time been like oh god i hope that's never me I hope I never fall to 300,000 views. Hmm. That would be terrible, you know? But, like, at the same time, Epic Meal Time is more lucrative today than it ever was. Maybe with the jerky and maybe with, like, you know, the trust from brands and stuff like that. But I'm so happy that I stuck with it and I never got caught up in that. Like, you know, I I, I, w- I would watch lots of YouTube. So I would watch lots of Fousey. And, you know, uh, you know, God bless him. I would watch his videos and... You know, he had the most views on YouTube. And then he went from like the most views on YouTube to a new generation coming. Like someone like Rice Gum got more mm-hmm. views. And Rice Gum called him irrelevant. And like it flipped him upside down. Mm-hmm. You know, and as someone who's been called irrelevant by Rice Gum as well, like, you know, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's but for him, it like it was like it was like the rug was ripped out from under him. Like some people go on YouTube and think that, you know, and they'll be number one. They think they'll be number one forever. Like, I know, like, I just know that, you know, Jake Paul will not be number one on YouTube forever. I know that, you know, Logan Paul would not be number one forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, one of my favorite channels is PewDiePie. Like, he's got, like, an incredible work ethic, and I think his content is really relevant. I, I, I like watching him a lot, and I think that's someone who is more of an anomaly than anyone else I've seen on YouTube because... 
He's like, I've never seen someone surf it so well over the years. I've never seen someone continue to adapt and evolve and do it daily and surf it like so well that I, I'm curious how he would react if he was not there anymore, you know, like, or how it would be passed up by T series here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. So it's even by the time this comes out, who knows? But like, I, I just like, I know some YouTubers, they chase those views, they chase the subscribers and I've never been that going back to like what I said before, I've never chased money views subscribers because then there's this void and you'll never fill it. And even if you get 10 million, now you'll want a hundred million. And then you'll want a billion and then you'll want 2 billion. And no matter what, you'll never be able to fill that void. And so what I've always chased is surviving another day doing it, Mm -hmm. just surviving another day. And if it means that like, I can't get the best camera or the best computer this time, or I, I have to do more work or I have to replace some or whatever it is, no matter what, or if I have to move cities doing it another day, another month, is the most important thing to me. And I am like, I almost feel like uh, in, in some ways I'm on bor- borrowed time. Like yeah. where I'm like, man, this could have ended four years ago. And I'd be like, that was so crazy. <laughs> I never thought that would happen in life, you know? But like, here it is eight years later. I always said Epic Meal Time would be done in five years. I said, you can't make a bacon joke for more than five years. You know, now we're like eight years and I'm just like, I'm like, I know it'll go for 10. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stretch it till 10, you know? And then it, once Epic Meal Time's been around for 10 years, it's like, shit, Epic Meal Time's been around longer than WCW Nitro. <laughs> and, like, kids grew up watching WCW Nitro, like, their whole life, their whole childhood. But Epic Meal Time might be around longer than that. And, like, you know, and I just want to s- survive continuing doing what I love. And like mm-hmm. you said before, like, it's the dream. Like, that is the dream. Like, Captain Dissolution doing what he what he wants as a living, Yeah, you know? Do you have that worry that like next year the brand deals might stop or that because it's kind of an unknown out there, you know, it's always evolving. Like, do you live on on that anxiety or are you pretty comfortable? No, I've been there. I've been past those. I've been past the times where there's like no brand deals, you know, mm-hmm. where brand deals are at a minimum, where they just don't come through. I've seen like our number be at one number and then go down to like 25% that value. And I'm like, let's do it. And then I've seen it go back up to what it was again. It's like, I've been there before. So, like, I mean, as as ridiculous as it sounds or as cocky as it sounds, like, going into Epic Mealtime, and of everyone that's ever been on Epic Mealtime, I had two friends. I had Sterling, who we started it with, and then you met Sterling that first day I yeah. met you. I think the reason I remember that day so clearly is because both you and Sterling are very tall. Yeah. And it's, like, two very tall men. <laughs> we were, like, tall Canadian dudes. Like, yeah. Just, like, we're from the mountain. <laughs> Sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, also to be fair, like you were on back then, you were one of the bigger personalities. And honestly, that's probably not the right way to put it. You were more clearly a character than almost anyone else on YouTube at the time. Everyone else was kind of a nerdy kid trying to figure out. I know you're also a nerdy kid, but like you didn't seem like a nerdy kid in your channel. You actually seemed like somebody stepped from what would usually be a TV position into YouTube. And you were one of those like first people to stand out like that. You know, you were very clearly a big character. And like that stood out to me too, because I hadn't met anybody else like that on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's true. When I went to VidCon and I met a lot of YouTubers, 
I go, I'm like, yo, what up? I love your channel. They'd be like, hey. <laughs> you know, and then three years later, they're wearing like all Gucci and they're like, sup, bitch. <laughs> but I did watch a lot of YouTubers like change in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. But I remember my first VidCon, I'd go up like, people like, yo, what's up? And they'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and then literally they're like pulling up in like the dopest cars three years later and like you know like it sets in but i i, I know what you meant like i know what you mean it was like uh a rare it was a rare channel at the time epic meal time it was it was rare at the time it was different it was like you either like you know if you were a face you were like what's up guys i'm seating my cereal i'm gonna play my little acoustic guitar and sing you guys a song i wrote <laughs> you know, it was like a different time. It was, it was, it was different. Um, but my friends were, you know, Sterling and we had a falling out, but we cleared that we cleared the air there. And like, you know, him and I, we've hung out a couple of times since then. Um, and my other friend going into it was Amir mm-hmm. and Amir is still on Epic Mealtime. And like, let me know, likes to say a guy on Epic Mealtime. He always says Amir won the Epic Mealtime Hunger Games. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so like, he's like, no matter what, like, you know, Amir won the Epic Mealtime Hunger Games. I'm like, yeah, Amir's like, you know, Amir's, Amir's clutch. Amir was cooking on Epic Mealtime at the beginning. And then he went to editing and then he went back to cooking. And so the reason why I bring it up is that like, you know, when I say I just want to continue doing what I'm doing, the end of the day is like all I need is this iPhone and a mirror mm-hmm. and like we have an epic mealtime channel. Yeah. And I, I definitely do not want to discount like, you know, like Mike Santos, Dan Rush, like guys that I work with now, you know, my cousin Justin who produces on Epic Mealtime now. I definitely don't discount that at all. They mm-hmm. make it quality. They make it better. But in its most basic form, at the end of the day, all I need is this phone and a mirror and we're good. Which is why I feel so bad about, like, you know, uh, Smosh. Like, Ian Anthony is, Mm -hmm. like, the bank owns Smosh now. And it's like, Smosh is dead. Yeah. But it's like, damn, all Ian needs is a cell phone for something to be Smosh. Mm -hmm. That's it, you know? Yeah. Do you find, like, you and Amir, you guys are still friends outside of being on the show? You still hang out? Huge. Yeah, big friends. Like, we talk all the time, like... You know, like uh, the the office that we have is like, you know, it's just like a setup similar to this. Um, but like me and Amir like often sleep there. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, we play video games on and off camera. Speaking of the achievements and like something like being made to make you resent something. Mm-hmm. Amir hates video games. He went on. <laughs> he went. He loved video games. He used to chase achievements, though, so much. He like chased them for like four years and then just like completely like just broke down like and he'll never admit it but he just he won't even touch a playstation game because he can't get achievements Hmm. he despises pc but like he'll play xbox and like he'll still chase the achievements and i'll be like oh achievement and he'll be like i don't care (laughs) he cares a lot it's really it's weird (laughs) i feel like amir has teached me a lot of truths about life yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's like a very honest guy yeah and i can tell when he make a good video because of how he reacts to it yeah yeah but amir is also like He's like, Amir's like, like, uh, he's also, he's the core fan, but he's also like the one that you might not even like if you really got to know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be like, yo, new quarter video, a, a new quarter video is up. It was great. He's like, yeah. I'm like, what? It's not good. He's like, no guns. <laughs> <laughs> so like, because of that, like he completely missed out on how awesome the fidget spitter one was. Oh no. Cause he's so one track minded <laughs> about it. You know what I mean? But like that, he he likes what he likes. He knows what he likes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's like, uh, you know, he's got his 
his firearms. He's got his his the things that he loves and things that he respects. He definitely watches your videos the instant they come out, you know, because I don't subscribe. He'll tell me, yeah, you know, when there's a new one. He's the bell for you. Yeah, he's the bell. <laughs> Amir's actually the bell for so many things. A lot of my shortcomings in the business world are ones that Amir has. Mm-hmm. So Amir is like extremely punctual. Mm. Amir is great at time management. You know, I'm good at, I'm good at communication. I'm good at, you know, like uh, encouraging people, empowering people, you know, but I do think that I lack some elements of being a good leader mm-hmm. to an extent. And over the years, I just recognize, I'll recognize some patterns about like, you know, what some people will get mad at me over or what some people won't be happy about or whatever, things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I guess I could be like ruthless unintentionally yeah. with certain things. You know what I mean? What like, do you mean by that? Like if you mess, if you mess with Epic Mealtime or like you have something like that or, or a problem with Epic Mealtime, like, like I said, it's so important to me that I do this every day. Like then I'll, I'll never hold a grudge, but I'll burn a bridge mm-hmm. I, or like you'll burn a bridge with me. The bridge is burnt. And you could always, I've had people who've been on Epic Mealtime, who've left Ep- Epic Mealtime, come back to me and apologize for how it went down. And then I've had other people that like, you know, I will know firsthand they'll go and they'll, they'll talk shit about me or they'll talk shit about Epic Mealtime. And like, I'll remember that, mm-hmm. you know, I do remember in one specific scenario, like someone being like, oh, Harley's a bad person. Hmm. Harley's not good. Uh, Cause you know, they had a brand deal for uh with a cooking company to do some cooking stuff um but i heard about it so i went to that company and i said amir will do it and i brought it to amir and that person lost that deal and i gained that deal Hmm. now i don't think that's makes me a bad person the way i see it is like it's in the business realm you're not on my team amir is my friend and is on my team and he can do it and so I leveraged my power, quote unquote, or I leveraged my brand to take a brand deal from someone and give it to one of my people. Yeah. And like, I don't I, find that, 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 no, insulting. but I do understand why that person would go and say, I am a bad person for True. that because yes. that's bad for them. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, this is what I do. Like I'll bring it to Epic mealtime. Like I'll bring it to my guys. I'll bring it to us. You know, we'll figure out a way to do it. We'll make it happen for ourselves. Like I said, like I want the people that have been on my team and are on my team Mm -hmm. to make the most of it, to experience the best parts of it. You know, and I remember like, uh, I always compare it to Vince McMahon, who's not like, you know, uh, a nice guy, quote unquote, but is definitely a business guy, far more business than I would ever be. But he always said, like, you know, wrestlers would want guarantees. They'd like, oh, I want to be guaranteed this, that, this, that, and you know, in terms of money. And his saying was that I don't I don't give guarantees, I give opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the Epic Mealtime thing. Epic Mealtime is just like Epic Mealtime can't guarantee you anything, but Epic Mealtime can give you an opportunity. You know, people have left Epic Mealtime and and gone on to do like incredible things that maybe they wouldn't have done. If it wasn't for Epic Mealtime. Mm-hmm. And I know this firsthand because I have opportunities that I would have never done if it wasn't for Epic Mealtime, you know? Mm-hmm. I would have never been in Kevin Smith movies if it wasn't for Epic Mealtime or filmed with Arnold Schwarzenegger multiple times, yeah. James Franco, Seth Rogen, if it wasn't for Epic Mealtime, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
I wouldn't get to cut the line at the Cheesecake Factory because the hostess recognized me if it wasn't for Epic Mealtime. <laughs> Do you get recognized pretty often on the street? Yeah, I have a, I have a face. Yeah. Like, I have a look and a face, you know? So um, when I go to, like, when I was at the Cheesecake Factory five days ago, <laughs> and there was a huge lineup, and, like, I walked there, and I was like, oh, how long's the wait? And he was like, oh, it'll be 40 minutes. And he looked at me, he's like, oh, shit, I'll sit you right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, with Andy, I was like, see, this is what it's all about. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel like you're famous? How funny is that? Eh? So funny. <laughs> and you know what? I used to have a hard time because it's like, what a, what a stupid thing to, to say. I'm famous. Yeah. I would say, yes. I would say, so are you. I would say that the reason why I would say that is because um, that is the world we live in. Mm-hmm. I am famous. You are famous. But I wouldn't say we are celebrities. I would agree with that. So that's how I would say it. But the reason why I say it is because... Like, I know this girl with, like, a big ass, and she puts, like, protein shakes on her ass and bends over and takes a picture for Instagram. She is very famous. Mm-hmm. By definition. By definition. By definition, That is you know? the definition of like, fame. You know, like, it's just, I know them. And I, there are so many people I follow on Instagram. They are famous. You know how many people on TikTok with, like, 20 million Instagram followers that, like, you've never heard their name or seen their face before? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's not about you. They're famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's just fame. Fame is so fame is everywhere. It's literally everywhere. So I, what is celebrity then? Celebrity is celebrity is this like it's it's a different level. It's like you're not even like uh like you know who's here's you know who's just becoming celebrity, like just getting into that is that kid Ezra that played Flash in DC movies. Mm-hmm. He is like just breaking into celebrity. Chris Pratt has been enjoying celebrity for for uh, a couple years now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyone in the Marvel movies, like, you know, celebrity. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then there's this a level of consistence, consistency in my eyes, that make it a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, like Chris Pratt has that. You know yeah, what I mean? I feel like, like Weird Al kind of broke into that the past couple of years. I feel like Weird Al deserves so much more than he gets. Yeah. You know, he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? I feel like he should be. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. Weird Al, Weird Al is like, Weird Al is something. I think of Weird Al and like Andy Milanakis, like people that existed in our time mm-hmm. that, are just like now are just like would be just another YouTube channel style thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're lucky because we have Weird Al, but the kids these days, they have like Bart Baker. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, they're yeah. like, they're the same thing ultimately, but Weird Al is just like, he did it at a time where there was a middleman. Like he had to go and audition and pitch and he didn't just like throw it up and like game a system. There was no game. You had to you had to convince people yeah. that are like, you know, jaded and look at multiple people every single day. And yeah. And there's a grind there too, where it's like you're doing that over and over and over and over for years. Weird Al's beyond celebrity. He's like icon. Yeah. I think. I agree with that. He's but like that could also just be because we're of his era. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's an icon. You can't take that from me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Weird Al is great. I think like, you know, then there's like, 
then there's celebrities, but then there are people that are celebrities, but like they're like icons, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. And you feel with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And even, even if today they're not as, as, as famous as, you know, uh, Chris Pratt or mm-hmm. like, you know, like they are, it's just something that like a level that can't be taken away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Chris Pratt is now at a level where it can't be taken away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's too much. Jim Carrey is an icon also. Yeah, they're part of culture. Exactly. It gets, it's, it's like so deep, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why I said that kid the, who plays the flash Ezra Miller, cause I feel like he's getting there. Mm-hmm. And if he has like a couple, a couple decisions in his career, like then he becomes that, you know, that full on celebrity status. You know, I think he already is a celebrity, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I can't, you know, I think I think Logan Paul and Jake Paul are celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if I were to expand on what you're saying, I think a celebrity requires you to have that that touch on people that puts you into into culture. And this is interesting. Like it almost the rock is almost not quite there. Like I think he's done enough and he's done, been on the grind for so long that he's a celebrity. But he's never quite had his Schwarzenegger moment. He's never had his T two. Mm-hmm. He's gotten close. He's got a couple of weeks that have been close, but he's I think the biggest problem with him is like, cause as close as he comes, he get, you get like the skyscraper and the rampage. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what like slows that process down. Like one step forward, two steps back. It's almost maybe. like he's too much of a businessman. Mm. Like he's making movies that are bringing in huge budgets and like keeping the whole, the rock machine going, you know, the seven bucks machine. Yeah. But I feel like he just, he needs a little bit of that moment where he stops being a businessman and starts trying to make something that so really I feel like connects. he's going to be in. Uh, doesn't he play like uh, he's got a movie coming up, a superhero movie, and I feel like that's like the fast track to celebrity these days. Yeah, he's like you do a celebrity movie, and then you do like uh, like uh, like like then you win an Oscar for something else, and then it's like you're there. He's gonna Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, I feel like is so ingrained in culture, and so many people know him and mm-hmm. his his like his movies. You know, like that. I feel like he's he's celebrity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like he's like he's up there as well. Yeah. A lot of people like for a lot of people, Drive is their favorite film. Exactly. And I think when you're in something like that, where you connect with people on that deep and the Notebook level. also. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually have never seen the Notebook. Oh, you haven't? I highly recommend it. Yeah. I know it's like such a like, uh, but no, I definitely recommend watching the <laughs> Notebook. It's really good. It's like okay. a very good movie. I'm sure it's very well made. Ivy would will be overjoyed for me to sit down with her one evening and watch it with Tonight. her. Tonight. Maybe. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it. It's a good one. And I remember I put that one off for a while. Another now, one I put off for a while was Brokeback Mountain. Oh, yeah? Didn't like it. Wasn't good? No. I feel like Ang Lee's a little hit or miss. Just wasn't. It wasn't my thing. But it was also like people like, oh, you need to know about it. You got to check it out. I'm like, okay. You need to see Brokeback Mountain. You got to check it out. But it's like, I don't want to watch these movies because they're gay. Literally. <laughs> it's about two gay men. Um, and the other one is like, oh, what? Love? Come on. <laughs> 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 um, but then I ended up watching them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Did the same director do The Notebook as Brokeback Mountain? No, they were just two movies that were recommended to me that I remember everyone talking about over a period of time. And I was like, nah, I don't need that in my life. I find it strange that the same director of Brokeback Mountain also did the Hulk movie. The Hulk, yeah. The yeah. big Hulk where he just keeps growing and doesn't stop growing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He has very clearly purple pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the risk of asking a super vague question, I mean, I'm a huge Schwarzenegger fan. 
What was he like? He was really, really excellent. So I don't know if you know, but the first movie I ever saw in theaters was Terminator 2. Mm. So uh, the, I, the only... What's that? What a movie. I know. The only movie, the only reason why I do what I do today or I am where I am today is because I saw Terminator 2 at five years old and I walked out of that movie and I was like, that's what I want to do when I'm older. Mm -hmm. I want to make movies. I want to be in movies. I want to write. I want to, that's so cool. I want to do that. Like I want to, I just know that's what I want to do. And I'm like, I'll make a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And my dad said, I'll so clear. He came to the movie and he said, what's the plot? And I was like, what's the plot? And I was like six. And I remember him explaining to me what the plot is and the word the plot. And just that whole interaction of seeing Terminator, what's the plot? And, you know, just being like, oh, like thinking about movies from that day forward. You know, my Mm -hmm. dad had a video camera and like I always messed around with the video camera. When I was going to school, I would like bring in projects that use the video camera. I'd, instead of doing a regular regular presentation, it would be a movie, a video presentation. And that's what made me want to do it. So being filming with Arnold Schwarzenegger was so incredible and so awesome. And like the one thing that I didn't expect was he enjoyed it. Oh yeah. And the reason why he enjoyed it was because I got there and I was fan fanning, fanboying like big time. And I was like really excited and I was like explaining how excited I was and I was apologizing for being excited, blah, blah. And he was like, ah, really, it's okay, it's okay. And then I found out like from his people that like in this day and age of like Dwayne Johnson's, Channing Tatum's, Chris Evans and Chris Pratt's like he's happy to come across people like me hmm. that are like, you're the fucking God, bro. Hmm. You're the guy, man. This all this shit only because of you, man. Only people only use guns in movies because of you. Like, you know, <laughs> like he he liked that. Um, and uh I got to I got to share some really extreme jokes. Cause like <laughs> I, I had some extreme jokes written for Epic Mealtime. And so I shared these extreme jokes with his assistant, mm-hmm. and he was like, He's got a twisted sense of humor. He's hmm. like, go share it to him. <laughs> so I did. I went and shared it with him. And uh, he loved it. He laughed. And then he started to tell me something that was kind of messed up. <laughs> and it ended up being a joke. And it was hilarious. And I, I just, I grasped like that he's got like a really twisted sense of humor. Um, but he was so great. He he was really awesome. And then we got to film with him twice. Uh, and Amir brought his Predator Blu-ray. Hmm. And like he signed it and everything. And uh, he was just awesome. He has, they gave like Austria gave him a tank. <laughs> Austria, like he has a tank that says Schwarzenegger on it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I man, he's awesome. I love him. What's crazy is like what you don't realize is, you know, I grew up watching him. Five years old, it ended up being a thing, and I ended up doing what I do today because of him. What's interesting about YouTubers today is like they've experienced that with your channel mm-hmm. or maybe my channel. Mm-hmm. They were ten. Yeah, And now they're 18 and they left high school and they've made their life decision based on the videos that they watched of yours or mine. And that's what's interesting to me is that when Epic Mealtime first started, I was just like, ah, we're having fun. We're goofing off. But like in 2010, a common comment would be like, well, no girls in the kitchen. 
Which it seems so crazy to say that now, but that's where 2010 was at. Yeah. They thought the kitchen was for girls hmm. to make me a sandwich, you fucking loser. You know? Like, you know that fucking dumb thing? So, like, they would say that to us. Like, that would be a common comment about, like, oh, yeah, the, you know, what are you doing? Let's get some girls in the kitchen. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, there was, like, kale, organic food, blah, blah, blah. It was such a – it was, like, intimidating food because mm-hmm. if you wanted to get in the kitchen and cook and you weren't Jamie Oliver, then you were going to have Gordon Ramsay yell at you for fucking up the whole meal. It was yeah. scary. It was like you go in the kitchen, you're going to get yelled at. Gordon Ramsay's going to be pissed. Yeah. So don't go in the kitchen unless you knew what you were doing. But we got in the kitchen, we goofed off. And I know people were like, hey, if this idiot's going in the kitchen, then I can go in the kitchen, you know? And I think about people that watched Epic Meal Time and they'd be like, they would send me like their chef knife tattoo. I'd be like, I just graduated from culinary school, went in because of Epic Meal Time. We ended up being like those people that brought, we we introduced people into the culinary world, you know? I know this guy Fabio used to come to like, our shoots when he was younger, like literally dressed like muscles glasses. Now I see him. He puts up pictures. Like I, I even commented on one of them. I was like, bro, if I'm the sauce boss, I'm like, you're, you're, you're the, you're the pasta master. Cause he's just <laughs> always making these custom pastas and stuff, you know, way beyond what I would ever be able to do or what anyone on the shows would be able to do because he grew up on Epic mealtime and watched it and like learned from it and like pursued something because of it. And I could just imagine the type of people that probably were going to go and buy something and instead decided to save up and get a camera because of your channel Mm -hmm. or something of the sort, you know, they decided to make a decision based on how you inspired them. And I don't think about this much. I don't know if you thought about it, but I had someone who saw me at the mall. He must've been like 17. He was like, Oh my God, you're here. And I was like, yeah, he was like my childhood, man, you're my childhood. Hmm. And I didn't think about that. But when you're in elementary school, time goes very slow. It feels like a lifetime. Yeah. Because it's like 90% of your life back then. Yeah. You know, but like those five years watching Epic Mealtime for him, that was his childhood. Like the people that would watch Corridor Digital throughout all elementary or all high school, the impact that channel has on them. Like, you know, you end up inspiring people, mm-hmm. you know, like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, they grew up watching YouTube. They grew up watching people on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, We've, you know, we, we've kind of like made a little, a little rift in how society will be moving forward by introducing new, new players in the game in one way or another that will follow paths that we've done. Not that like I'm hyping us up like, oh, we're so great. It's just a matter of fact, like, you know, there's a billion views on Epic Mealtime, you know, there's millions of subscribers, people watched it and people Mm -hmm. will be affected, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if you ever think about it, it's really trippy. I do actually. I mean, it actually it makes me really happy. And back when I was going to college, like right before I was leaving, I was done with high school. Uh, my grandma, I call her Maymay, <laughs> my Maymay. Is it? Um, it was your grandfather, Pip Pip. No, he was just grandpa. Oh, okay. <laughs> she she's from she's French Canadian. She's from Quebec, so she got oh, okay. Maymay. Um, she's usually super supportive and very kind and loving and sweet, but she pulled me aside, and unusually for her she said what are you going to do that's going to help people how is how is what you're going to go off to do here with filmmaking how's that going to make any difference in the world and i was like whoa i've never been challenged by may before <laughs> <laughs> um but when i hear stories like what you're saying here that makes me think back to that conversation you know and if if you've helped inspire people to 
pursue what they want to do or we've helped inspire inspire people to do what they want to do that's helping people and i'm glad that that's helping people um and i hope it continues to have work that way mm-hmm. so i agree i agree with that I, it's like one of those things where like back in the day people be like well how does this help and i'd be like it makes people laugh makes people smile and i'd be like yeah that's good but this is a deeper thing if it gives people fulfillment then i'm happy about that also and, you know, I, I know firsthand because some people would message me but when you just look at the numbers of it all, like it's just simple statistics. Some people will base their life on being like, you know, like, you know, there's two kids out there. There are kids out there that are friends and they're like, yeah, we got to be like quarter or digital. Mm-hmm. How'd Sam and Nico do it? And they go back and they look at your life story and they're like, how did they do it? Where did they go? What did they do? And they're going to like try and walk in your footsteps because they want to, they're happy with where you are right now and they want to be like that when they're older, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I hope we continue to inspire people like yeah. that. This is very, I feel like this is like 33 year old YouTubers. Like this is how you look back at <laughs> like the kids, man. It's it's for the kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well guys, I think it's a really positive note to end this podcast on go out there and make a difference and inspire people to do good things. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Harley, thanks for coming out and sharing some of these insights and stories on the world and on what it means to be a YouTuber in this day and age and what videos mean to culture and all that kind of stuff. It's been a really insightful and interesting conversation. I appreciate you coming out and joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Did I ramble? I felt like I rambled so much. That's what this is all about. That's what a podcast is, I guess, right? Yeah. It's about interesting (laughs) ramblings. I mean- this is a pretty interesting rambling. This is like a ramble down a path with like a cliff on one side and some mountains in the distance. Like it was a, a really, it's a path really worth rambling down for a while. Yeah, yeah. Good. So thank you so much. Cool, man. Thanks for having me, bro. You bet. Big thank you to Harley Morenstein for joining us on the Corridor Cast. It's a pleasure talking to you, Harley. And I hope to see you back sometime to delve into some further theories and life experiences that you might have to share with us. If you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, thank you very much. If not, please head over to youtube.com slash corridorcast and subscribe. Not only do we have every episode up there with video, we also have highlights and cool little tidbits taken from each podcast. And if you would like to listen to us on your favorite podcast service, we are available there as well. Whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or whatever it's called, we're on all of them. So go check us out. All right. Thank you so much. Hope to see you in the next podcast. Thank you.